Shabbat Shalom. What a day. Blue skies, sunshine. Thank you for climate warm or what climate change, yes. Thank you for climate change. It has stalled the long-awaited ice age for a while longer at least. So I'd like to welcome everyone here today. And uh, what I want to do is I'm going to start a series. I'm going to do a series here and um, the whole concept in this series series is going to be addressing the kingdom of God. And so this is like part one or series one, and uh, we're going to build on that in the weeks ahead. And so you can kind of follow that on the live stream or on the uploaded um, videos as well. So let me start today with our first in the series, and this is going to be called the gospel of Jesus. So if we can put that up, great gospel of Jesus. So uh, we've all heard, I think most of us have heard of this idea of the gospel, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's churches that are even called that, right? The gospel of Christ. And so this is a very well-known kind of phrase or term. But yet I think that for most of us, we probably think of something different than what Jesus meant and intended when he used the phrase, the gospel. In fact, most Christians... Uh, when they think of the gospel message of Jesus, probably think of things like love, right? Forgiveness, or grace, or even justice and mercy, right? This is the idea of good news, that, that God loves us and that he is merciful towards us. If we are messianic, we tend to think of things like Israel. Israel must be tied into the good news of, of Jesus, right? Or the prophets, the Torah and the prophets, or perhaps the covenant of Moses itself. Would it surprise you to find out that it's none of these things? That when Jesus referred to the gospel, he wasn't talking primarily about any of these things. In fact, most believers are surprised and even inspired when they find out what Jesus himself said was the gospel. So let's explore what Jesus meant when he proclaimed the gospel as his core message and purpose. In the end, it's not any of our ideas about the gospel that matters. What matters is his idea and what he was communicating. So many times we miss Jesus and misunderstand what he is saying because we import into his words our own preconceived understandings. And so in some ways, we're blind to what he was actually saying. Our job is to kind of set aside our presuppositions, all of our ideas about what he meant when he said this or that, and let him speak within his own context, defining for himself how he's using the words that he is using. So let's jump in. Let's talk about the gospel of Jesus. Let's begin with a passage in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. This is the beginning of his ministry. This is where it all begins. Notice what he's saying at the very beginning of his ministry. Mark says, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, there's a lot there. 
Let, let's unpack what's in this verse because there's a lot to kind of uh, work through. So let's begin with some questions and then some answers. What does the term gospel mean? Right? What does that term mean? We've heard it before, you know, in fact, I think we're all acquainted with it, but it simply means good news. Gospel means good news or glad tidings or joyful news. That's what this means. So what about the phrase, the gospel of God? Notice that he came along preaching the gospel of God, the good news of God, right? The glad tidings of God, that news that brings joy to our hearts. Well, that phrase, the gospel of God, tells us that this gospel originates with God. It belongs to God. It comes from God, and it belongs to God. It's not the gospel of Jesus. He didn't preach his own gospel. He came preaching the gospel of God. It belongs to God. Jesus' gospel is the gospel that our Father in heaven gave him and sent him to give to us. Therefore, the gospel of Jesus is in fact the gospel of God. That's what we're looking into. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. I, I find that intriguing. I, I don't know about you, you know? I always grew up thinking that it was the gospel of Jesus. And so this was a, a big deal for me. It's, it's, it's a subtle shift, but the ramifications are huge. Jesus didn't come with his own message. He came with another message a message that his father gave him that belongs to the father, originates with the father. This is significant when you think about it. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled. What does that mean? You know, this phrase, the time is fulfilled, what does that mean? Now, you and I both know timing's everything when it comes to even small matters, but especially big matters. Timing is everything. What this tells us is that the good news that our Father in heaven intended to bring to us came at the right time. It came right on schedule. Now let's talk about units of time because it says the time was fulfilled, which, which implies the time has filled up. It's come to an end. There's a transition. We're going into a new unit of time. In fact, I want to use the term era or epoch uh, in, 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 as a synonym for unit of time. So when we think of times, let's think of eras and epochs. Let's look at a few that we find in the Word of God. The first one is the cosmic week of creation. I don't want to get into the weeds on this. don't want to offend anyone. Uh, but that week might have been longer than a week. Those days could have been very long days. The cosmic week of creation probably spanned, uh, uh, probably spanned an epoch or an era of time, a very long period of time. In fact, we know that because every day begins with an evening and a morning, except the last one. The Shabbat has no evening and morning. Why? Because it hasn't ended yet. The writers of Scripture tell us that we're still in the Shabbat today. 
And that while we're in this period where God is resting and no longer creating, we can have a shot at redemption. So we're in this seventh day, which obviously is longer than 24 hours. It's been thousands of years that we've been in this day. So suffice it to say, when we talk about the cosmic week of creation, it's probably fairly significant long periods of time tied into each day. That's an era, the age of creation. Now, the seventh day is going to end. It'll make way for what? What's the next day? The eighth day, right? Shemini Atzeret. That's one of the festivals. Eight being the number of new beginnings, pointing forward to the age to come. The next big age to come is the eighth day, the day of new beginnings in which there's a new heavens and a new earth. A, a day that marks not only the age to come, but the eternal age, an age that will never end. It's the final ongoing day for all eternity. That too is an age, an epoch of time, if you will. So we have this age of creation, the cosmic week, which on the heels of that brings us into another age. It's the age which, which the sages refer to as the patriarchal and matriarchal age. And it's a world without the Torah. It spans from Adam until Moses. It's an epoch of time, the patriarchal, matriarchal age. Paul picks this idea up in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. He says, Therefore, just as through one man, referring to Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So from Adam until when? Moses. How do we know that? Because the world is existing without the Torah. The Torah doesn't show up until Moses shows up. Moses brings the Torah. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. That's the next slide. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. From Adam to Moses, the world's existing without Torah, without the law, but still being held accountable to sin, even though it's in a period of time in which sin is not made accountable. Why? Because the law has not been given yet. So from Adam until Moses is the patriarchal, matriarchal age, a period of time that exists until Moses shows up. When Moses shows up, we have a new age. It's called the age of the law and the prophets. This is the world with Torah. It spans from Moses until John the Baptist. This is called the era of the Torah. It is the era when the writing, the writing of Moses and the prophets are being proclaimed. Torah, Torah, Torah. It's all about the Torah. That's all everyone ever talked about in this period of time. It was the central feature of that age. Now, after the law and the prophets, we come into the new age, the messianic age, when the long-awaited Messiah and his kingdom finally arrives. This 
is the central theme of the Torah, by the way. This is what Moses and the prophets were proclaiming all along, that the king and his kingdom are coming to earth. It's where we dwell. Heaven itself will invade earth. The realm of heaven will intersect and begin to interrelate to the realm that we dwell in. In fact, the Torah and the prophets were given to prep us for the coming Messiah and his kingdom. Now, after the Messianic age ends, we come into a new era. It's the final one. It's the cosmic eighth day, what I just referred to. It'll be the final eighth day, the eternal age. It's ushered in when Messiah returns. When he comes back, there's another shift and a new age begins, the age to come. And it comes on the heels of him judging and removing all evil from creation and restoring all things in accordance with the will and design of God. It's at that time that Jesus will give the kingdom of God back to his Father, and everything will then change for all eternity. So those are ages, if you will, that we see in the Bible. So let's come back again to our passage. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The era that he was in is coming to an end. It's filled up. It's over. We're in a transition. Jesus says we're transitioning from the age of the law and the prophets into the next age, which they all knew was the messianic era. They weren't quite sure what he was trying to say in relationship to himself, but they certainly heard in his, in, in his words that the time of the law and the prophets are fulfilled, which means the Messiah is here. The age of the law and the prophets is now transitioning to the age of Messiah. We'll talk more about that in just one moment. Let me finish the passage. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of God, the long-awaited rule and reign of God. In fact, this word kingdom is in Greek, basileia, and it means a realm, a dominion. In fact, it can also refer to the rule and reign of a king, which if you realize, all kings have what? Dominion. All kings have authority and power to rule and reign over their subjects. This is the idea of a kingdom. And everyone understood that the kingdom of God was synonymous with the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because that's where the king lives in heaven. And so the phraseology kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are kind of used interchangeably in the, in the text. They were waiting and waiting and waiting for the arrival of what? The king and his kingdom. Messiah, who is the king, with his father's kingdom. That's what Moses prophesied. That's what the prophets were declaring. And now Jesus is saying, it's here. The long-awaited kingdom of God is near. It's arrived. We're transitioning into that era. Now, it's not really clear at this point who the Messiah is, 
who is going to be ruling and reigning over creation. We know because we know the end of the story. But early on, they're trying to figure out who's the Messiah. And are you trying to make the claim that you're the king? So that still isn't clear in terms of Mark's gospel. But we know, because we've read the whole thing, that Jesus basically is saying, I'm here and I've brought my father's rule and reign. The compassionate rule and reign of God is now coming into the earth. Repent. Believe in the good news. Put another way, turn from your sins. Receive the compassionate and and merciful rule and reign of God over your lives. Why live in darkness when you can live in the light? Luke 16, 16, Jesus speaking. The law and the prophets, that was an age, refers to Moses and the writings of the prophets. Jesus says the law and the prophets were proclaimed, past tense. He's moving down the timeline. The transition is already taking place. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God When you hear gospel, I always want you to think of the kingdom of God. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come. The good news in and of itself is not good news. What's good in the news is that the kingdom of God, which is the focal point, has come. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached. And everyone is forcing his way into it. Interesting passage a lot lot of debate over what this means that everyone's forcing their way into the kingdom of god suffice it to say the kingdom of god came with jesus yeah the fullness is still coming but make no mistake about it it arrived two thousand years ago the rule and reign of god is now here among us we can come under the rule and reign of god in the here and now they were rushing to get into it with great force, with forcefulness. Some translations says, some translations will say, with great violence they enter in. Now, what is that all about? People couldn't get in soon enough. They understood what the kingdom of God was all about. They understood what the compassionate rule and reign was, was about. It was about redemption. It was about love. It was about reconciliation with God. It was about forgiveness. It was about healing and wholeness. People are saying, yeah, I want that. You know, we live in a dark and cruel world. There's horrible things that happen all around us. If you've lived long enough, it's touched you or at least your loved ones. And I think we all realize how desperately wicked and evil this world can be at times. So when Jesus says the kingdom's here, the rule and reign of God, the realm of God is here, who wants in? People were clawing and kicking, punching at each other, trying to get ahead and into the kingdom. In fact, we have an ancient prophecy in Micah chapter 2, which kind of gives us a picture of that um, within the metaphor of a shepherd. I want to read this to you. I will surely assemble all of you. This is God speaking, probably the Messiah. I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. 
I will put them together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of its pasture. They will be noisy with men. The breaker goes up before them. They break out, passing through the gates and go out by it. So their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. The imagery, of course, is that of a shepherd, his sheep in the middle of a pasture. Now, in the ancient Near East, if you were a shepherd, you'd let your sheep graze in the daytime. And then as dusk approached, you would take them up probably against the hill, and then you would take stones and you would build a small perimeter that would hem them in. They'd be all bunched up together, right? Now, now sheep, you know, when it gets a little bit towards dusk, get nervous because the predators come out. And so they like to be kind of snuggled up together behind a stone fence with their shepherd watching over them. And this is the imagery that's given in Micah, that he hems them in for the night in order to guard and protect them. The breaker goes up before them. Who's the breaker? Who's the breaker? You know, when you read this, you know, it sounds like there's different people involved. It's really not. The shepherd does all of this. The shepherd is the one that goes and he breaks open the perimeter for the sheep. So he's going to go up and he's going to move the stones out of the way just enough for a sheep to get through. It's morning, the sun is coming up, the sheep are hungry, feisty, you know, full of energy from a, from a night's sleep. What do you think is going to happen when he steps out and that first sheep comes through? Pandemonium. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you. When I was a little kid, we, were, we, were, we went to someone's uh, home. It was, a, it was a ranch. They had a lot of sheep, cattle. And we're out there. I'm about Harrison's age. I'm just a little kid, you know. And so we're over by the door of where the sheep are. They're actually inside of a barn. And so uh, we're over there, and the guy is on the inside, and he's going to open the door. We're on the outside standing in front of the, you know, door, you know. So uh, my dad's yelling, get out, get out of the way. You know, he's like outside. You can see what's happening, you know. We're like, what, you know. So we kind of like, I grabbed my sister's hand. I kind of moved to the side a little bit, and that door swung open, and out came a stampede. I mean, they were full tilt. All these sheep, they just blew out of that place so fast, and I thought, we would have been trampled. Yeah, those sheep, they just wanted to get out to the pasture. They'd been all penned up all night long. And so the imagery here is that when you open up that perimeter, the sheep will come through with great force, knocking even some of the stones out because they're just all colliding to get through that narrow opening and they make that even bigger and bigger it's with great force even violence that they burst forth to come into the pasture so their king goes on before them the lord at their head it's a very messianic passage referring to the messiah who's going to come and open up the gate and go out into the pasture, the pasture being what? The kingdom of God. 
the realm that had been shut up to them for all of these centuries now being opened up and he leads them into the long-awaited dominion of God, the realm of God, the kingdom of God, where God's rule and reign covers his people. Paul, he takes a little bit different analogy, but it's analogous to this story in in Micah, Uh, but he paints a little bit different picture here that basically says the exact same thing. And I want to bring you there. It's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. And he's speaking that before the Messiah came, this was our context. It says, before the faith came, we, Israel, were perpetually guarded under the law, kept in custody in preparation for the faith that was destined to be revealed. Paul changes the imagery. He says, we're kept in custody with the law. It's the law that is a perimeter around us that keeps us in. We view that kind of negatively due to the anti-Semitism and anti-Torah sentiments of our early church fathers. Not for Paul. He spins this in a positive dynamic. The, the, the Torah wasn't a prison of misery. The Torah was actually a place that kept us safe in this dark world that we live in, that we had with the Torah, the proclamation of the coming liberation, the coming king and his kingdom. And so we're kept in custody, protected, safeguarded, until the Messiah comes. And then when he comes, we are liberated and brought into the kingdom of God, that pasture of life. So the imagery is different, but the meaning is the same. Jesus is our king. He leads the way into the beautiful and compassionate realm of his father. And this realm is called the kingdom of God. And it's under his rule and reign that we experience love and acceptance, healing, hope. I mean, like I said before, life is hard. We live in a dark world. We've all got stories of brokenness. We've all been touched by death and loss. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be under that merciful, loving, compassionate rule and reign of God? This is the joyful news. This is the gospel of God, the good news of God. This is what Jesus proclaimed. My Father's rule and reign is coming to you, and you can enter into it. Follow me. I'll lead you into this kingdom and your life will be transformed forever. This is the gospel that Jesus proclaimed. They rushed into it. They couldn't get in soon enough. Now the big question, the big question in our hearts, right, for all of those messianics that just love the Torah, 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 right? (laughs) That was an age ago, a long time ago, okay? It's time to come into the new age. But I know in all of our hearts we're saying, yeah, but what about the Torah? Are you doing away with the Torah? Do you mean by proclaiming the kingdom of God that the Torah has lost its relevance? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question for all of us. I think we get nervous when we kind of hear these kind of ideas. 
let me put your hearts at ease. I want to read this passage again because I believe that the passage itself anticipates the question. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets, this is slide 23, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Since that time implies that the law and the prophets is over. The time is no longer. Notice the next verse. Verse 17. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail. The age of Torah gives way to the age of Messiah, but that doesn't mean the Torah is done away with. No, the Torah is going to follow right into that age too. The Torah is eternal. It's written on our hearts. It's not being done away with, but it's taken a second place to the king and his kingdom. It's no longer the priority. It's important, but it's secondary. The Torah has never saved anyone. The Torah can't save anyone. The Torah was proclaiming that one was coming who could save everyone and bring them into the kingdom of God. That is the priority. So let me conclude this, and we'll make some application. The gospel of Jesus was not his gospel. It was his father's gospel. That's why he calls it the gospel of God. He came preaching the gospel of God, which was that the long-awaited kingdom of God, as prophesied by Moses and the prophets, had finally arrived. We're called to turn away from our sins and to follow King Jesus into this realm of God's merciful and liberating rule and reign. And who wouldn't want that? This was the core message of Jesus. It was his central message. It's what he opened with, lived by, and closed with. In fact, in Luke 40, or Luke 4, 43, Jesus says this, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, for I was sent for this purpose. This is my core message. I got to go to other cities now because this is the purpose I was sent to proclaim the good news of my father that his realm has come to you today. Do we understand that? Jesus, it's in him and through him that the realm of the father, the rule and reign of the father is coming to us. That you and I in Messiah participate in his kingdom. That's a game changer. We live in a realm so wonderful and beautiful and healing. It's the very thing that the world's crying out for and doesn't know it. It's the message of God given to Jesus. And now that message is our message. This is what we are to proclaim. That's what you are to proclaim. If you've tasted of the sweetness and the joy and the peace and the love of God in his kingdom, it's incumbent upon you to give that away, to give it to others, to share that hope with others because the world's getting pretty desperate and it's going to get a lot worse. 
You know what that means? A whole lot of people are going to be open to the good news that the Father in heaven has come to us to rescue us, to save us, and deliver us from the evil all around us. So our priorities for 2022, let's bring people into the kingdom first and then introduce them to the Torah as a way of life. Let's bring people in. Let's bring in those that are lost and alienated without hope. Let's bring them into this kingdom. And then we'll show up Torah as a way of life. I think so many times we kind of go out and try to share the Torah, not realizing people don't need Torah. They need the Torah giver, right? They need Jesus. They need to see that the Father is good and that he loves them. Then they're going to be positioned, of course, to receive the Torah as a way of life. So let's make our priority in 2022, exalting Jesus, the King, who has ushered in his Father's kingdom, that through him, everyone can enter in and experience the redemption, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, being reconciled to God. That's going to be our priority for 2022. And don't worry, the Torah is not going away. Elder Randy will be teaching it every week on Shabbat before the service, and I'll be teaching it on Sundays. So you, you can get as much Torah as you want. We'll give you more than you want. We'll give it to you until it comes out your nose and ears. Okay? So we're not going to do away with the Torah. We're just going to prioritize Jesus, the Torah giver, as being transcendent and above the Torah. He's the one that we're going to exalt.